Hello, this is Fantastic Noise. In the latest of our Coping with Covid episodes, I'm speaking with Pippa Sawyer, formerly Managing Director of community radio station Wickham Sound. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks for your time and thank you very much indeed for your ears. Before I go on, I will confess the interview in this episode was recorded back in July and things have changed a lot since then in terms of the practice of the organisation, the national guidelines regarding COVID-19. Even the interviewee has since left the organisation. But I was keen to publish this episode as I feel it has a lot to give in terms of how positively UK community radio, a sector and movement that is close to my heart, has responded to coronavirus restrictions. Community radio is not for profit and usually targets a specific local geographical area or community of interest. In Luton, for example, Radiolab is a community station for students and young people, whereas Diverse FM and Inspire FM, who are also based close by in Luton, are there to serve different audiences, and we all get along happily and famously. As a case study, I thought that Wickham Sound in High Wickham would be a great station to speak with. Since launching full-time in 2016, Wickham Sound has gone on to win multiple awards, including several community radio awards, and was shortlisted for Best Local Radio in the 2020 areas. So earlier this summer, I spoke with the then Managing Director of Wickham Sound. I'm Pippa Sawyer. We spoke early in the morning, after she'd just finished hosting, from home, the station's breakfast programme. Um, well, it's, it's a joy, actually, because I'm at home, so I just roll out of bed, uh, I get an extra lie-in because I don't have to drive. I've known Pippa a number of years, and I remember conversations with her before Wickham Sound was a full-time station. A great deal of the successes of the station can be credited to her and she's still actively supporting local radio organisations, despite leaving Wickham Sound. But let's go back to July, where I started by asking Pippa to describe how many people volunteered at Wickham Sound and to set the scene of this community radio station before lockdown. So we've got a team that fluctuates between 85 and 100 volunteers in total. We have no salaried members of staff at the station. There are a couple of people who get a commission from some of the revenue as and when the station can afford it. But no, largely run and staffed, if you like, by volunteers. And they range from age 20 up to age uh, almost 81, in fact. But because our station targets listeners over the age of 35, most of our volunteers reflect that age group. And it's, you know, it's always been a firm belief of mine that presenters and the team at a radio station should reflect those 
people that are listening to the station. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the setup at Wickham Sound. Uh, most of the programmes uh, up and pre-COVID were were broadcast live. Some of the late evening stuff was was pre-recorded, but of course that's all been thrown up in the air since the end of March. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And and roughly how many people do you think might have been turning up to the Wickham Sound offices and studios and on any given day? Well, we'd probably have between eight, eight and ten presenters, different presenters on every day of the week. Uh, the, the breakfast show and drive time are each just hosted by one person each. But on the mid-morning programme, you know, there are guests coming and going similarly in the afternoons. Uh, so always lots of visitors to the studio and people working behind the scenes in the office as well. So, yeah, on any given day probably 15, 20 people. Yeah, yeah, easy. And I guess also, you know, before the lockdown period, some of your income, um, certainly, you know, before March 2020, came from local advertisers in, in the Wickham area? Yeah, I think, you know, with community radio, um, some teams are very well experienced in the third sector and they're really good at filling out grant applications and putting on courses and training and projects and that's how they'll make the most of their revenue for us it was the opposite we didn't really have many people with that background so our income has always been more on the advertising and the commercial side um, of course you know there are rules to say that we have to balance that out but yes it's taken quite some time to build those advertisers because we always focused first on building the audience um, but yeah it's fair to say that in our station commercial advertising is very important where is Wickham Sound based in High Wickham exactly is it in a busy part of of town or, or on the outskirts and and is it somewhere that is visible like whereabouts is it so we're right in the town centre. There's a big shopping centre with a bus station on the side and we are across the road from the bus station. Uh, so we're not in a shopping street ourselves, although there's a very popular chip shop a couple of doors down. <laughs> um, so we're not somewhere where you would naturally get a lot of footfall outside, but we are very close to all the amenities, the shops, you know, the bus station and so on. Yeah, so it's quite a convenient spot for, say, if people wanted to to come in or if you invited guests to come in to talk on, on the radio station. Yeah, and we were lucky as well that we've got our own parking. So we've got, you know, half a, uh, a dozen parking spaces. So, uh, yeah, it's very easy for people to come in and, and work with us. Okay, so, so with all that being said, uh, when, when the lockdown kicked in, can you describe some of the things that changed with the Wickham Sound office and, and team, like, for example, the building that we've just been talking about, who were still coming into the building? And presumably there were less people coming into the building. Yeah, we, you know, we, as a team, as the top team, you know, we were, we were talking about it every day in the 10 days of the week before the lockdown actually kicked in. Um, because we have a lot of, older volunteers, vulnerable volunteers, people who might have older relatives or vulnerable people at home and those knock-on effects. So I, for one, was quite keen to get the building locked down um, ahead of the government. Um, but we, we held on as long as we could. But then as soon as that government announcement came, 
it was a huge sigh of relief all, all round because then people weren't looking to us. It was an order that had come down from above. So we basically locked the building on the Monday evening and nobody went in there for about eight weeks, 12 weeks. Wow. Um, the, the only visitors to the building, I went in twice because I'd, at the same time, we were upgrading our Myriad system and I was moving lots of stuff around on the database and I kept crashing the computer and I had to go into the building to switch it off and switch it on again, which was quite funny. But apart from that, apart from a couple of little technical issues, nobody went into the building at all. And because we'd anticipated the lockdown, we got as many people as we could ready to work from home. I used to do the breakfast show from home a couple of times a week anyway. So a, a large number of us were already quite well equipped. We had to go out and buy some extra software licenses to make life easier for people. Um, but it, within, within a, about 10 days, we had all of our core programming sorted from home. We ran a few repeats whilst people who weren't familiar with, with broadcasting that way got up and running. And actually, there's been no change to the schedule whatsoever. So from a listener's point of view, you wouldn't have noticed any change. Um, and actually, the benefits have been enormous. So here's an example. We had a, a volunteer in his 70s, mid to late 70s, and he'd come in on the bus and he would pre-record, he'd come in in the afternoon and pre-record a program for late evening. And then he'd go home again on the bus. Well, under the new regime, he can now broadcast that program live from his study at home. And of course, live is always preferable to anything pre-recorded or voice tracked. Uh, so we get a live program. He can interact with listeners on social media and so on. And the, the extra benefit is that I don't have the worry, not with him particularly, but with late evening presenters having to lock the building, going into a dark car park, you know, all, all of those security issues. So actually, we've got more live hours now than we had pre-COVID. That's fantastic. And, and, and just that case study, a, a volunteer in their mid to late 70s, yeah. uh, who's now, I guess, been empowered to be able to do a live radio program. Yeah. Is, is the, I, mean, I mean, and this links in, you, you earlier mentioned you were upgrading the Myriad system. And just to, to fill in, Myriad is a, a very popular playout software for radio stations using in the UK, especially. Um, has upgrading that system um, meant that you can do more remote live radio things? Yes, it does. There's, there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. And it's quite interesting when I look in on some of the forums to hear and to read about all the technical sort of queries and hiccups that people have had. Um, and we've got a, a really top-notch IT guy. And he said, we're not going to do it like that. We're going we're gonna to set ours up in a different way which we did and we've had no problems with it whatsoever because basically what we're doing is we're taking control of the actual computer in the studio in the building and we're doing that remotely uh, but the upgrade was about giving 
all of our team members access to a copy of Myriad um, that's in the clouds, essentially, so that they could build their programs in advance of actually broadcasting them. So they can put their music in and sort their jingles out and their idents and the adverts and all of that sort of stuff. And they can do that remotely. Now, before we did that upgrade, we would be remoting in and there were just three machines. So I might be setting up a breakfast show and then all of a sudden the mouse would start moving and it's somebody else who's logged in trying to set up another program so we had all of those types of problems but now everybody has their own copy essentially of myriad that they can work on they can't broadcast with it but they can build their programs in advance when we get back to the studio that that on its own will take a lot of pressure off people booking studio spaces for mm. example so um and it, i think it was something like an extra 50 pounds a month to have that bolted on to the software package and it's been worth its weight in gold yeah i bet it sounds well worth it do, do you think that especially you know going back to that case study of your volunteers doing the live program from home having previously you know got the bus in volunteers like that presumably they're going to be looking to do their program live in in the current form from their home for a longer term than than maybe some other volunteers yeah we've got no plans at the moment to return wholesale to the studios and there's a couple of reasons for that one is the fact that it is actually all working so smoothly and by being based at home myself and the the station manager get so much more work done because mm -hmm. we don't have the distractions of being in the studio. And the other reason is because we, you know, we, we don't have regular cleaners going through the building and we can't guarantee everybody's safety. You know, you put in all your rules about, you know, how you might have to clean down the studio before you go in or after you finish and all of that sort of thing. But there are so many risks and particularly when you've got, vulnerable people older older people all taking part in your station you just don't want to take any risks so at the moment i i haven't put a date on return to the studio there are a couple of people now who go in regularly mm. but uh it's it's literally it's literally three people mm. okay yeah so it's it's definitely the exception and not the norm yeah. did, did you think there are any significant disadvantages from, from doing this was there a, a community uh, gathering at the studios before that and now that and that's missing or, or is there anything like that that you would say is is a reason to try and push back to, to what it was like before yeah and you've act, you've hit the nail on the head there that is the big thing that's missing that that camaraderie we we were very lucky that we have a lot of space and you know other visitors come in and they say oh we're operating in a in a really small uh, studio um so we're lucky that there is space we've got huge desk and you can have like 15 people all sat around the huge desk and you can throw ideas around and have a catch-up you know and that is what is missing but what we've done to try and overcome that is to have team meetings every two or three weeks online so that at least we can hear each other's voices people can put questions to the top team 
to answer. Um, and, you know, and I, I chat with a lot of people ev every week. Um, so I try and keep up to date that way. But a couple of people have said, Pippi, when this is all over, I'm going to throw a big party. And I think we're all looking forward to that. Pippa, have you had many in the team juggling things like homeschooling with radio programmes? Has there been any like, interesting on-air or, or even off-air production like disruptions because of what's been going on? Do you know, I don't think there have. No, is I mean, I have been astonished at how smoothly it's gone. I think, you know, the, the one problem that I can think of, and, he, and th this chap's now working in the studio, is our mid-morning presenter, one of them, has his studio in his conservatory at home. And there was one point where it was getting so hot <laughs> uh, that, you know, he couldn't, he, you know, his brain stopped working because he was getting so overheated. Oh, no. um, so that's, that's the only problem. We don't have... We don't have many people with young kids because we're aiming for an older audience. The team is generally on the older end of the scale. The younger people are too, you know, they haven't started their families yet. So sure. this, you know, we haven't had that problem, no. Fair enough. Do you think, Pippa, that listeners mind where the presenters are? So your listeners, do you think, or has the feedback been one way or another in terms of their enjoyment of the station? We've been very clear with listeners that we're all working at home because I think they want to know that we are operating safely. Um, so, you know, we've been completely upfront about that. And, you know, at one point, finances were looking a little bit iffy, you know, and we, we appealed to the audience to, to help us out with a fundraiser. And the messages of support that were coming in were heartwarming because, you know, it can be very lonely sat in the studio. And sometimes you do wonder, actually, is anybody listening? Um, and when we put that appeal out, you know, we had a tremendous response and some lovely messages just saying, keep up the good work. Now, the thing is that all of our presenters live locally. So even if we're not in the studio, we know the town, you know, we know the area. It's not like we're all sat in a studio in London, for example. Um, you know, we know where the traffic hotspots are. We know what the talking points are. We know where the unpopular um, housing development is, is planned to be. You know, we know what people are talking about. And I think as long as you can show that connection with listeners, uh, I don't think they give a jot actually where you are when you're doing the program what would you say pippa are the ways that wickham sound has embraced uh, the covid19 lockdown like what are the what are some of the success stories the the great news stories that, that you guys have produced since since march we've always given a platform to the charities and the not-for-profit organizations in the area and right from the outset when we were doing our first pop-up broadcasts People would get in touch saying, Do you know, I've lived in this town for 30 years and I never knew that was happening. So we knew immediately that that, that was a, a winning thread that we needed to tap into. Um, and when COVID hit, we wrote to all of our charity and not-for-profit contacts and we said, look, if you want a free advert now is the time because we're, we're offering you a free 30, uh, 30 second spot you know, we'll produce them all in-house. So we were saving money that way because usually 
commercials would be produced externally. And we had, I don't know, 15, 20 charities came forward. And of course, they were all serving the community. So uh, it was a lovely mix of ads and they were supporting people and they were asking for donations or asking for help and extra volunteers. Um, so that was a big success. And of course, along with that go all the the interviews and so on to underpin what all of these organizations are doing. And one of them was the local food bank. And the lady came on, she talked about the food bank and said what they were looking for. And later on, she got in touch with the presenter to say that within a couple of hours of the interview, she'd had 70 offers of support, including a £500 donation from a a notable local businessman. Um, So that was a great story. But then it, it got even better because a listener and her son heard that interview and the son was so inspired that he then set up a little stall outside his front garden on the driveway and he was appealing to people going past to put items of food in his collection for the food bank. So that was a lovely story and and we were able to make a little package out of the the elements that brought that together. Um, We put that out then on social media. So that that was lovely. There was another one where there's a a local convenience store which is at the heart of a a big um, housing area in town. I think they were offering deliveries or or something. That's right. He was doing, the shop man owner was doing deliveries. And one of the customers said, oh, hey, tomorrow it's my husband's birthday. And so as he was doing his deliveries around this road, he told all the neighbors that it was going to be the chap's birthday the next day. And he let us know as well. So when he delivered to that house the following day, all of the neighbors came out and sang happy birthday to that gentleman and it got a mention on the radio as well so it was little things like that where we were able to just play a part in a, a bigger story um that, that local people had had done themselves so there's, there's a couple of examples Pippi, you mentioned you know as part of the success stories giving some some air time to promote these local charities and not-for-profits uh, mm-hmm. and and it and it takes me back to to the advertisers that the station would normally have because presumably I'm, I'm hearing lots of stories around the country where local businesses that were advertising with community radio you know due to the lockdown they're no longer in a position to advertise has did that happen with Wickham Sound did some of your advertisers suddenly not have the means to advertise anymore yes yes that that did happen to us we um we built a new team actually at christmas uh to to work on advertising development and by the time we got to lockdown they had a huge pipeline of business ready to go um and that was commercials we also do a a training course called employment fm which was developed by uh, colleagues of ours in in the community radio sector and we deliver that training and that's a, a good earner for the station as well and overnight on lockdown all of that business just just melted away it disappeared and uh and that's it was it was looking quite iffy at one point mm. um, because we found as well that we fell in between the rules of all the various government schemes, the local council schemes. You know, it was it, it was as if every every avenue we tried, 
we hit a dead end. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty frightening at one point, but we've we've got through it, you know, and things are starting to build now, uh, and we're actually finding new opportunities now. So where. Uh, restaurants and so on are now doing takeaway and delivery services so you know I, I think for many businesses they're having to innovate and that is true of us as well. Looking at Wickham Sound's social media and, and you've got active social media pages it, it appears there are you know still posts about local news and local organizations and of course promotion of, of your station content as well have there been or has there been any significant change to your online and digital content for, for the station during lockdown i don't think there has no um and it comes back to being working at home the station manager looks after 95 percent of that online um, presence and in fact, I had a conversation with him the other day because I was concerned that he was starting to take on too much. And he said, actually, no, working from home without the distractions, he's getting loads more done, as am I. So no, there hasn't, there hasn't been any significant change to the online presence. The, we do publish the local news headlines every morning, and that's something that I think we've only started doing since lockdown. We didn't do it before, but it's been, took a little couple of weeks to build, but now people expect it and they, you know, they comment and like it and so on. So that's something we will continue with. I mean, I think there's always room for more. At the beginning of the year, we'd started to do a few more quick videos and we built a little area in in the studio building with a backdrop and so on where you could just sit and do a quick 30 second video for for online and of course we've we've had to stop doing that there's always room for more but nothing nothing's changed do you think wickham sound's response to the lockdown has been a success overall pepper and, and what might you do differently should things kick off again by the sounds of things only a few people have gone back to the studio but if rules change so so things are stricter in terms of the lockdown is is there anything you might change or you might develop i don't think so um as i said we're, we're we're not rushing back to the studio so in fact we were i was talking to our insurance broker and you know he's he said to me he said in insurance circles you know the the view is there's no need to rush back. I, I think what I will do is there are one or two remaining people who haven't been able to broadcast from home for many different reasons. And I think we would probably just pull out every last stop to get those people back on. Because whilst we've got a full schedule, those comments, I'm talking two or three people but we miss those people and we miss their programs and I would love to get them back on. I mean, there's one who's doing a halfway house. So there's one chap and again, he's in his seventies and he does a late night program. And what he's done is he's been curating the music using this new facility where he can build his program in advance. The one bit that we need to get him to do now is actually to voice the links which he would usually have done in the old in the old days but he's halfway there at least we can say you know alan has curated the next two hours of music for you to drift off to sleep to yeah and so i think we'd just pull out those last few stops to get those people back on 
Thank you so much for your time, Pippa. Just one last question, uh, and that is if there is a one thing that you're enjoying listening to at the moment that you might recommend. It, it might be a, a radio program or a station or a presenter or, or a podcast. What, what do you recommend to people listening to this? I do like a late night program. And if ever I get shuffled off the breakfast show, um, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to do a late night show. I love Lisa Tarbuck on Radio 2. I love Radio 2 on a Saturday afternoon. Don't tell my team that. <laughs> Radio 2 on a Saturday afternoon with Rylan and Lisa Tarbuck. Um, I love to just pick a community station at random and tune in and see what's happening because there is such a wide range. Um, it really is the, the most wonderful medium to be in uh, because there are 300 stations and they are all gems and they're all celebrating the best that their local area has to offer so i definitely recommend um a bit of that i love we go to back to the bbc i love robert elms i always modeled my own style on on his style and uh, just to be completely out there i love the program on i think it's, it's either bbc two or four with the chat from the fun loving criminals is doing a, a series about south american music that's been a real eye-opener and that's influenced some of my listening over the last few weeks. Pippa Sawyer, who when we spoke in July was the Managing Director of Wickham Sound. She has since left, but the radio station output from Wickham is still excellent and worth a listen. The stories from Pippa could have been stories from many of the 300 or so community radio stations in the UK. Studio buildings being shut for eight weeks or so? Certainly, when I first started making radio, that would have spelled the end of a station. But technological advances mean that lots of radio stations have found ways to regularly broadcast remotely. And when I say remotely, still locally. For many community radio stations, being able to say, we are live from where you live, is a USP that they will publicise again and again. Ultimately, though, these technological advances do come at a cost, too. Pippa suggested some software upgrades were costing £50 extra a month. I know the University of Bedfordshire forked out extra annual costs for our radio station Radio Lab back in March, too. And when your radio station is not-for-profit, these costs make a big difference, particularly when you usually rely on advertising revenues to make ends meet. The COVID-19 pandemic has led to lots of companies having to stop trading and even more having to slash marketing budgets. No marketing budgets equals no money for radio adverts equals no money for radio stations that make money that way. Not to mention that listeners hearing these adverts might have less money to spend on the products being sold to them. These are challenging times for community radio, and those selling on-air services to businesses will be hoping they can prove their value and keep in the black. I loved hearing about Wickham's offer to local charitable organisations, making PSAs and adverts and offering those businesses some airtime to promote their good work. That airtime would have been worth thousands of pounds to the station. Other community radio stations in the UK have done similar things this year. Another example of what makes UK community radio great. 
Finally, I really enjoyed hearing the case studies Pippa shared, those specific stories of how Wickham Sound has worked with their volunteers in this period. Maybe my favourite example was of the elderly volunteer who used to have to get the bus to volunteer at the station each week, but now he is able to make his programme from home. A luxury he didn't have before, but thanks to COVID-19, he will probably continue doing for years. Find out more about Wickham Sound by visiting their website, wickhamsound.org.uk, and find out about Pippa's latest project at facebook.com forward slash Bucks Breakfast. That's B-U-C-K-S Breakfast. It's that time again, the time when I talk about something I've enjoyed listening to recently. And this is one that I listen to with some degree of regularity, but I wouldn't necessarily expect you to, uh, not unless you support Crystal Palace Football Club as well. FYP, which stands for Five Year Plan, is a Crystal Palace fanzine which has become, as so many other fanzines have across the country, a podcast. This is where podcasting really works. FYP isn't trying to be balanced, it's full of opinions and gossip about my favourite football team, and it isn't always produced to the highest standard, but it's a podcast that thousands of people listen to, thousands of engaged people, certainly enough listeners for FYP to be able to gain some advertisers to cover costs. The content is fun and is usually led by two comedians who happen to be Crystal Palace fans, Jim Daly and Kevin Day who many will know from television projects, including Match of the Day 2. Ultimately, as a former Crystal Palace season ticket holder who now lives in Bedfordshire and doesn't get out much, FYP helps fill a gap of Eagles chat in my life. Because, try as I might, my wife and seven-year-old daughter don't have much of a response when I want to talk about the latest Wilfred Zaha transfer rumours. FYP is available on all podcast apps, but perhaps more importantly, there is almost certainly a fanzine podcast for your favourite sports team on the same apps as well. If you would like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with audio you recommend, stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at A Fantastic Noise. You can also email us on fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk. Right, it's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Today, it is dead air. Dead air is an unintended period of silence that interrupts a broadcast during which no audio material is transmitted. Silence on the radio. In radio terms, it's something we try to avoid. Many radio stations, including Radiolab, have silence detectors enabled at the transmitter site, preloaded with music or programmes, for if a period of dead air, say 30 seconds, is detected. Occasionally, you hear the silence detector kick in during dead air on a talk radio station, where the dead air threshold is usually much shorter. During the observing of minute silence, you'll often hear radio stations playing ambient noise rather than silence to avoid dead air. So dead air is my radio word of the week. 
That is it for this episode of Fantastic Doys. Thank you so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do subscribe, give us a rating and a review. Follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks again to our guest today, Pippa Sawyer, who, when we recorded in July, was the managing director of Wickham Sound and has since left the organisation. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that's Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Aiton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Culture and Communications, and this one was recorded in my home, rather than the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. <laughs>